If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You got problems that you ought to be concerned with. Hoo-ah! You don't know how you're supposed to earn it or what to do with it or how to keep it. You're a freak with a dark, shameful secret. But you're not the only one. Get your hidden financial fears with a blast of sun. Hello and welcome to Bad With Money, a show about finances and feelings where we don't talk down to you. I'm your host, Gabe Dunn. I'm really excited because if you have ever seen an Instagram reel in your life, you've probably seen this person's Instagram reels. So Queenie Tan, do you want to tell my audience who you are and what you do? Hi, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I'm so excited to be here and I'm so excited to chat with you. Hello, everyone. So I am a personal finance content creator, I guess best known for money hacks type of content. I try to make content a little bit more engaging, a little bit more fun and yeah, try to help educate people along the way. So what is your background? Like, how did you start? How did you start? And then what did you study? And how did you get into this? Yeah, it's so interesting. I had a bit of a weird career path. So I used to work for a fintech startup. And I was doing the marketing for the fintech startup. And then, and then for a while, I was working in media. And I guess the the two worlds were kind of like, that. that's how I kind of got the inspiration because working at the media company, I learned a lot about like, I guess, talking to different audiences and building an audience. And then on the fintech side, I was also responsible for, I guess, educating people about financial wellness. And with those two jobs, I think it kind of inspired me to create my platform. It actually was started during the lockdown and COVID. I think we all remember it a bit well, a bit too well. <laughs> I just honestly felt so grateful to be in a position where I was not struggling anymore because I think mm-hmm. for a lot of young people, it's it's really, really tough out there. And I saw the lockdowns and I saw people losing their jobs and I was like, oh my gosh, that could be me. That that was me. Like a few years ago when I didn't have a stable source of income, when I didn't have investments or savings. And, you know, I feel like a lot of young people probably like feeling really bad about themselves and really struggling. So I wanted to I guess, create a platform where I could be like, hey, you know, you don't suck and it's not your fault. And, you know, we can we can get out of like a bad financial situation together. So, yeah, that's why I wanted to start. Did you have a background in like financial stuff when you started working for the fintech company? I didn't, but I had a bit of a interesting upbringing because my dad had actually he I was raised by a single stay at home dad. and he'd actually retired early. So I guess I kind of like was grateful that I still had that financial knowledge from like investments and things like that. And I know a lot of people don't have that that kind of upbringing, but it wasn't like a crazy, crazy upbringing where you went on holidays or went out (laughs) all the time to the movies. It was like, I went to public schools. It was very like, you know, not not crazy lifestyle, but I guess, yeah, I had that knowledge because he had passive income and was didn't have to work. But I have also completed some certificates and I have my license and things like that. So now I'm licensed to talk about investing topics and things, which is really cool. Yeah, it's been a fun journey. He was like teaching you even when, because I'm so curious about when people figured out money. So like he was uh, like modeling that stuff to you when you were younger. Yeah, it was a, it was a bit of a weird upbringing because I guess a lot of kids would ask me, what does your, what do your parents do for a living? And I was just kind of like, 
I don't know. He doesn't really do anything. And I didn't know what to (laughs) say. But I guess he didn't really like sit me down and teach me. But I guess I learned through him that, wow, he's actually able to collect passive income and he doesn't have to work. I wonder how that works. And, you know, why are we in this position? And I guess I moved out of home pretty early and at around 19. But I still kept those like lessons that I learned from him, like being frugal, living below your means and all of those sorts of things that that really was able to help me. When you when did you start with investing stuff? Because your platform is called I mean, you do all kinds of stuff on there, but it is called like investing with Queenie. So when did was that the initial start was I'm going to just teach people investing? The initial start. Yeah, it was about teaching people investing because I felt so lucky to be in a position where I I did have a lot of savings and I was able to buy my own home at quite an early age. So I wanted to, I guess, yeah, teach people the baby steps. I started investing when I was around 20 years old, made some mistakes wow. along the way. Like it definitely wasn't smooth sailing like I think we all have. <laughs> but yeah, I kind of wish this content was out there when I was just starting and especially from someone else that, you know, looks like me and was a young person because I feel like yeah. a lot of the information back then was just, yeah, it just wasn't very friendly, you know? So it's nice that, you know, you have your platform, I have mine. So it's nice that I think a lot more people can feel like they can do it too. Yeah, there's a growing, I mean, since I started this show in 2016, there's been like a, a huge increase, I think, in women of color specifically making investing and budgeting content. Like, in a way that just as like I, you know, prior to that, you only saw really white men doing this kind of stuff. You would never see someone like you talking about investing. Never. Yeah. And same with you. Like, it's amazing that the platform <laughs> that you've been able to build. And I think it's really important to have more diverse voices so people can actually see themselves in the people that are creating the content. So yeah, it's really nice. Did you view when you bought your house, were you viewing that as an investment? At the time, I guess it kind of is and it kind of isn't. I think there are two schools of thought. Some people think that buying a property is an investment because, you know, it tends to go up in value over time. I tend to kind of see it as a bit of both because I think you do, you are able to sell it for a bit of a gain, like maybe later on if you've held it for a while. And it is also a bit of a hedge against rent because as we know, I think Mm -hmm. rent prices around the world have just been increasing in a lot. So I see it more as like a hedge against rent inflation, Mm -hmm. you know, so not so much like a investment per se, but yeah, I guess it all depends on the person and who you ask. What are your thoughts on it? Well, I'm just so I'm going through like a, a heinous breakup and there's a house involved and I keep thinking about how the money that I put into the house, since I'm getting bought out of it for a, a, a price that probably is not correct, I'm like, well, wow, I really could have like put that money into an index fund and probably had a better outcome than having invested in this house. But I had an idea in my mind of the house being something that then could be sold or also could be rented out or could be used to Airbnb. So I felt this stability around the house that like no longer exists. But now I'm like, well, maybe if I could go back in time or if somebody listening to this wants a lesson, I feel like it might've been worth it just to sort of put all of that money in an index fund and rent. So I don't know, that's like on top of mind for me right now, I guess. So it just hit me when you said you bought a house. I was so curious. Oh, my heart goes out to <laughs> hugs. That That's really rough. But also, I think it's really hard to do breakups, you know, like it, it mm-hmm. is really hard. I think the, the comfortable position is to just stay in a relationship where maybe you're not that happy or maybe the other person isn't that happy. So I think it's really brave to actually well, do thanks. that. Probably should have been a little bit more cautious with the money of it all. But that's oh. like a lesson. That's sort of a a lesson for, you know, like you talked about investing in the beginning and not making all the correct choices right away. And it's a hard lesson, but I I guess you can't move forward without learning. So yeah, I don't we, really know. we live, we learn, right? Yeah. I mean, so, I, it, okay, that was just a question. We're going to get back to, to investing, but you are Australian. Yeah, I am. 
So have you found like a lot of my show is very US centric and your platform is Instagram, TikTok. So like people globally are are looking at it. So have you found that there's a universal aspect to it? Or have you found that, you know, Australia, you hear things about the US and you're like, that's completely different. I feel like the US is so big and we we kind of we hear a lot about US media and what's happening in the politics and what's happening with the market. I think it is different in some ways here, but also similar. Like we all we go through the same things with inflation at the moment, like the cost of living rising, rent being increased and I guess the unattain, unattainable property costs as well. Like so I think it's similar in a lot of ways. But I guess slightly different, I guess, I think one thing that I have noticed, the the differences between Australians and people from the US is I think Australians were a bit more, I guess, when it comes to money, we're a little bit less like able to share it as openly and freely because there's a little bit of a thing we call here like tall poppy syndrome. And it's kind of like people at the top, they like to kind of be like, ah, you know, you're rich, like stop bragging kind of thing. Whereas I feel like in the US, people are a little bit more like, you know, hey, look at my $15 million mansion, you know, and people are like, <laughs> wow, that's amazing. You know, whereas I feel like here, it's a little bit more like you got to be a little bit more, yeah, a little bit more humble, a little bit more like, so I think that's the main difference is the way that I see it. <laughs> that's so funny to, because I feel like, amongst my friends here, there's a lot of left-leaning sort of socialist views where if someone has a lot of money or comes from generational wealth, we want them to be really honest about that. And we want them to say that rather than sort of pretending to be humble or pretending there's like a lot of, I call it like cosplaying as poor, like wanting to seem like, oh, I'm the average person. I'm just like you, even though they're really not. And so it is kind of this funny thing where there is this ostentatiousness where we, you know, we worship the Kardashians and we love watching the Met Gala. But then also like if somebody is flaunting too much wealth, they they get like embarrassed because they want to seem like a man of the people or something. Mm. It's like this weird double-edged sword kind of thing. And and that's funny to hear that in Australia, everyone's just kind of like, hey, stop bragging. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is interesting. I feel like, yeah, it, it's so interesting. Hey, like different, different viewpoints around the world. Have you been using Mint to manage your finances? First, the bad news. Mint is shutting down. Now, good news. There's a better alternative, Monarch Money. Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it. That's right. I use Mint and now I'm using Monarch Money. It is very stressful, confusing, and time-consuming to manage my finances. I've tried other finance apps. They don't really work. Like, you know, I was very committed to Mint and then I was uh, deeply sad when Mint went away. But now I have tried Monarch. It's so easy to use with powerful features, collaboration tools, intuitive design, personalization, constant product improvements. I mean, I really value a company that is proactively looking at how to make finances easier. Did you know that money issues are a leading cause of divorce? Monarch, the top rated personal finance app, also has built in collaboration features so that you can invite your partner at no extra cost. Can you imagine being able to have a budget app with your partner? That is wild. You can see all your finances. You can collaborate on your budget. You can get insights on your cash flow and reoccurring transactions. It's a very easy way to manage a household's finances. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash badmoney. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all your tags and categories. Monarch is the most customizable budget app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. We will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash badmoney. 
That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y slash bad money for your extended 30-day free trial. Your business was humming, but now you're falling behind. Teams buried in manual work, taking forever to close the books. Getting one source of truth is like pulling teeth. If this is you, you should know these numbers. 37,025-1. 37,000. That's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. One, because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all of your KPIs, key performance indicators, in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow all in one place. If you have all the information about your business in one place, you can make way better decisions. And this is an unprecedented offer, meaning this is totally worth your time. As someone who runs a business, having all of this together in order to close my books, that would be invaluable. It's a time saver. It's literally the biggest time saver. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash badwithmoney. That's netsuite.com slash badwithmoney to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash badwithmoney. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because when I'm looking to work with someone, I really need to be able to get someone fast. My job works very fast. Podcasts work very fast. And I've actually been looking for an assistant and I don't need to waste time sorting through matches without getting the highest quality person, right? When I'm looking to hire someone, whether that's a grant writer or a musician or something like that, it's very overwhelming because you get a lot of messages, but you're not able to like parse through yourself which ones are actually worth looking at. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash badwithmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash badwithmoney right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash badwithmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You guys have a different stock market, right? Yeah, we do. We do. So it's the ASX and it's so much smaller, like the Australian Stock Exchange. It's so much smaller. There are about 300 top companies in the Australian stock market. And I think I saw this crazy stat the other day. It was like, out of all the top 300 companies in Australia, I don't even think that they make like, even like a, they they don't even add up to the market cap of like some of the biggest companies in the US, like (laughs) Apple, which is like trillion, trillion dollar market cap, like three trillion or something like that. So yeah, it's, it's a lot smaller, but something interesting as well is we have like a bit of a like strong, like home country bias here. So a lot of people tend to like overly invest in the Australian market, even though it's like 2% of the world's market. And yeah, so I think that that's quite interesting. What about in the US? Are you mainly focused on you, the US stock market, US investing, or do you like to invest internationally as well? I think there is a big push for like homegrown type stuff, which mostly comes weirdly from us, xenophobia of being like, China's going to come take our jobs. Like we got to make sure that all of our factories stay in America with American people, which is like, it's like this run on, run on, like we got to, we're scared of immigrants. But then 
there is also this high mindedness of like you, well, you should be globally investing and you should be getting stocks from Canada and you should be getting stocks from, you know, uh, all these different countries. I have never heard of anyone here saying they invest in the Australian stock market. I'm sorry to say I've literally never heard that in my life. I also didn't realize that like there would be, do you guys, you feel like there's a patriotism of like, we should invest in the Australian stock market? Yeah, I I think there definitely is as well. And there's definitely like a bit of a push to, yeah, be be patriotic and invest more <laughs> in like the Australian stock market. It's so interesting. I think Australian country or uh, companies, Australian home, you know, countries. Yeah. I mean companies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do That's try so to invest more internationally though, because I do think that there's there's a lot of growth, you know, in other countries. And and I think I'm really grateful to be able to travel and that's what I like to spend most of my most of my money on outside of like the other stuff. And yeah, it's just nice going to different countries and realizing that, you know, even though other people do it differently, they're doing really cool stuff over there too. So yeah. I, I saw it. your your video about getting engaged and then realizing that you wanted to do other stuff and travel was like a big part of it, like before getting married or spending the money on a wedding. By the way, that is a stereotype that we have here about Australians is that Australians love to travel. Like if you go abroad more than I think other places, like anytime I've been abroad in my in my life, I've run into an Australian. You guys are constantly traveling. Yeah. And there, there's like gap years, you really value experiences. This is my stereotype of Australia. You you take time off school to travel, you you really value like spending your money on like going overseas. Like I don't know if that's accurate, but that's the read I've always had on Australians is that they value traveling and experiences and taking time off of work and school to to have those. Yeah. more than Americans do. Yeah, I think so. I think it, it's interesting because I feel like there's not a lot, not a crazy amount happening here. Like we've got, there's Sydney where I'm from, there's Melbourne, there are a few other places, but I guess the cities aren't super big. Whereas the US, I feel like there's so many places you can travel between and it's like, it's kind of like going to a different country because it's so different. But I guess yeah. for us, we're like, oh, you know, if we go to like, Adelaide or Melbourne, it's not that different. And so we, we like to go somewhere else. So that's definitely the vibe. Oh, but something else I noticed, which is interesting, is like, I guess we're lucky here because a lot of people get four weeks holidays. So they usually try uh. to like use their annual leave as much as possible. Whereas I know in the US, it doesn't, you don't have as many holidays, right? Nope. Yeah, that's no. really rough. Oh my gosh. <laughs> No, we don't have we don't have a lot of sick days. We don't have a lot of like maternity leave. We don't have a lot of there's there's a lot of stuff that that is like very much keeping you at work. Like one of the biggest things that someone wrote into this show about was that headache medicine is is really prevalently used in the US in a way that in their country it isn't. And they were talking about how in the US if you have a headache and you're at work, you they expect you to take a Tylenol and keep working. Whereas oh, wow. like the country that they were calling from, which may may have even been Australia and New Zealand, it's, it, it was an English speaking country. If you have a headache, you go home. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. That is, yeah. Wow. I feel <laughs> I like the like, work ethic shit. for like people from the US that I've noticed, it's just like, it's so strong, you know, which I think is a good thing that helps like drive people forward, keeps the economy moving, all those things. But then at the same time, I'm like, you know, I guess as an Australian, I'm like, take some more time off, you know, use your annual leave, like take your rest days, because I think that's also important too. It's the it's the balance. What are your thoughts? Uh, but you guys have way more of those. Like they'll they'll just there's no I think there's this thing, too, in the US of like, go right to college, like go to college right away because you're going to need to rather than friends of mine who I've met who who are like, oh, I took a gap year. And I like worked or I did some other stuff. I'm like, whoa, cool. Like that's <laughs> like so wild to me because I felt so pressured at 18 to like start school immediately. Mm. And like I've noticed in other countries, they they travel, they take a little time off, they go and do something else, they get a job for a little bit, which is like hopefully I think becoming more common because I went to college uh, maybe 10, no God, 15 years ago. So like, you know, may, I think it's becoming more 
common to actually do these things and not immediately feel pressured to like take out a million student loans. I would hope that that's the what I've seen. I'm not in that space anymore, but the right the people that write into this show, it seems like the younger people are are valuing experiences more. Oh, that's good. I think it's oh, I love that. I think it's really important. I I would like to mention though that I feel like even though I guess like I see the US or like one end with like the, you know, working and, you know, hustling, hustle culture. But then I also feel like Australia's kind of in the middle between like US and like Europe, because I feel like Europe, they've got like an amazing work-life balance over there. I feel like you know, some of those oh, countries yeah. like the siestas. So I, I don't think we're at that level. Like we're still pretty like <laughs> work hard. I think it's that American culture that we get. But yeah, I know. I agree that it's nice to have the time off the, the relaxed time because we need it, don't we? Do you invest in the Australian stock market and the US stock market? Yeah, I actually have. I've recently changed my investing style. So now I have I auto invest every month. So every month money gets automatically taken out of my bank account. It gets transferred and and it's invested. And I invest in two ETFs. One is VEU, which is, it's basically like, it's a global stock market excluding the US. And it just has like, I guess like Europe, it has like other countries like Japan and Korea and, you know, lots of different countries there. And then the other part is like BTS, which is like the the total US stock market. And I think that those two kind of give me a bit of a balance. We don't have this ETF in Australia called BT, which is actually the the Vanguard like total world stock mm-hmm. market. If if we did have it, I would I would invest in that one, but <laughs> unfortunately we don't. And I do also like to invest in like a little bit of like the Australian stock market because it's only like a small percentage of the EU. So I do like to invest a little bit more, but not not crazy amount because I am aware of the home country bias. What about you? <laughs> <laughs> well, what's the what what? So there's one ETF that is a bunch of different countries all together. What would be the the benefit of that? I guess it's more diversified, you know, so you're not just investing in one country and which is a little bit more risky because, you know, if something happens there or, you know, it's kind of affects your whole portfolio. So that's why I Mm -hmm. like to invest in the the global stock market or the world stock market, because I think as a whole, you know, the the economies, they they tend to keep moving in a positive direction. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that's the diversity. And also like you get diversity of industries, different size companies, Mm -hmm. you've got emerging markets as well. So yeah, I do, I do like to see that and like to invest quite internationally. Yeah, I very much like my retirement and all of that is very like ETFs and diversified and everything like that. And then I was for a little while, just have had some money where I was investing in different companies that like individually, like, oh, Apple or this little ETF I heard about, or, you know, for some, I was very, in, I wanted to invest in Heinz for a while. Cause I was like, oh, nice. uh, no, <laughs> no one's, I don't know. I had it in my mind. Like people are always going to want ketchup. Like, I don't know. <laughs> why, I don't know why it was like very like, pre, like premier lockdown, like right during lockdown, I was like, in my head, I was, I, I was like, well, people are definitely going to be using ketchup. (laughs) Like, I don't know what I thought, but I was in there for a while. And then I, I think like now I'm dating someone who's very index funds focused. And I think we've talked a bunch on the show now about Warren Buffett, who I think maybe is my nemesis. And he's very like interested in, you know, keeping stocks for forever and index funds and then just kind of letting it sit and not really playing any sort of game with it or having any sort of like, I'm going to put a bunch of money in Tesla and then, you know, see what happens, which I saw you interviewing people on the street on your TikTok, which by the way, the fact that you found that many people on the street who actually have investments was wild to me. It was actually from an investing event and they were friends. So oh, that's why caught. They were Absolutely caught. People. Yeah. They were just Because I was like, was people. she walking around on the street? If I walked around <laughs> the streets of Los Angeles, I'd find one person who maybe invested. And be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yes. Literally. So, so there were people there that were like, oh, I put a bunch of money in Tesla or I put a bunch of money. Like, I guess it was people who who were willing to take more risks. And so... I do want to talk about index funds as part of this interview, because 
how do you how do you compare index funds, let's say, for people who are who are first looking for them? Oh, I think it it all depends. I would okay, what I did and what's my usual process is I'll have a look at the top ETFs and index funds that people are investing in. And I try you to just like, Google that. Yeah, I just Google it. So I think a lot of brokers will publish, you know, the top ETFs or index funds people are investing in. And you can also just Google it and just have a look at the different ones. And then note down, I guess, the ticket codes, the, the different markets that you can get access to and how many companies or, or yeah, how many companies are in the ETF. And then I usually mm-hmm. like to kind of branch it down that way. So I guess it all depends. Like, there are some ETFs where you can get like, you know, thousands and thousands of different companies like in the one ETF. And you can also get access to things like bonds as well as stocks in the stock market. And then there are some ETFs where I guess it has like a smaller, more niche kind of like market. Maybe it's only like 300 companies or 500 companies. And there are some that are just specialized in certain countries. So I guess it depends. I think it's what I like to do is like, I like to make like a little pie chart so I can visualize it a little bit more and be like, oh, what do I want my portfolio to look like? What what kind of different countries or different markets do I want to target in my portfolio? And then go from there. Oh, and I think it's also important to consider, depending on your age, like maybe adding in a little bit more defensive investments because stocks are more growth investments. So I guess generally the older you get, the more, the, the less risk you want to take on in your portfolio. So it could be, could be worth looking at some other investment types like bonds, a little bit more like cash and fixed interest securities. And then, yeah, I guess, yeah, it depends on how much risk you want to take. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. We all know about that in my life and how hard that's been for me and also my listeners. You guys hear them talking about it on the mailbags. It is hard to manage finances with a partner. Putting away money for retirement, since I'm not going to be doing this podcast forever. Sorry. I guess I could, but retirement is huge for me. I am deeply focused on it right now. And planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year. Taxes are a doozy. And it's always changing. How do you know what to do? Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What about you? Like, how do you usually like to structure your portfolio and look at things? I'm sort of in a flux place where I'm figuring that out. I I thought I had all these ideas because I had the real estate and I had stocks and I'm sort of in a flux where I'm I'm listening to other people and I'm trying to figure out what it is I want to do long term. And I don't quite know yet. Like you would think, you know, I did an episode recently where I was talking about the starting over of it all and like having to sort of now go back to the beginning, even though I had been doing one strategy and really just starting from scratch again to figure out, okay, what is my strategy going to be? Luckily, I, I don't have any student loans. I don't have any medical debt, credit card debt, anything like that. And that's like huge for me because when I say starting from scratch, scratch for me was like, way worse than this. Like I'm like upset about how things have shaken out, but this is like so much better of a position than I would have been in. So I have made progress. I just have to like allow myself to believe that. For the audience at home, which I become a conduit for on this show, but what can you explain? We've had a lot of explanations of stocks and bonds, and then we've had a good explanation of like stock options versus stock rewards. But what it, what it, by defensive investments, like what do you mean by that? And what 
what could those potentially be? Like, what is a security or what is, what would someone be buying if they were doing that? Yeah. Oh, I, and I just want to say like before I answer your question that I feel like everybody's just learning, you know, and the fact that you're making your investments and you're already moving forward, like in that direction, I think is amazing because like we all need to change, change course every now and again. And I think there's like it's this a real change quote. course kind of year. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. Yeah. Well, but yeah, it's easier to move to move like a, a moving ship or steer a moving ship than it is to kind of like move like a stationary ship. So it's That's amazing true. that, you know, the fact that you even, you know, you've gotten this far and so much further than you did before. So that's amazing. And I think also anyone listening to this that, you know, maybe they've already started investing, maybe they've realized they might need to change up their strategy a little bit more. I think, yeah, don't get disheartened because we're all learning at the end of the day. And it's amazing that you're even thinking of even changing it or like maybe there's a and better way. And you can change. You, you can. can invest a bunch of stuff in a one place, realize it's not working and shift, you know, there's that you're not, you're not locked into where you've started. If you have a bunch of money in stocks and then you listen to Queenie explain and you're like, I should put it in securities. Like you're allowed to change course. Seems hard to do because it feels like a failure, but it's not. It's just changing course. Yeah, exactly. I love it. I guess what what I like to do now is I, I regularly track my my net worth and I have a few different assets that I like to invest in in my net worth. So like I mentioned earlier, I've got my my property, which is like my apartment equity, which is the price of the apartment minus the the loan that I have on it. I've also got stocks and like the stock market, like my ETFs and index funds portfolio. I've got a few individual stocks as well because I do like to take on a bit more risk and invest in companies that I think are cool. And then I also have quite a lot of like cash saved just for a rainy day, just in case, Mm -hmm. like my emergency fund essentially. And I think it, and I also have a little bit of crypto as well. So that's kind of what? what my, yeah, I've got a bit of crypto. I've held Is on to crypto it though. Like so different good. in Australia? <laughs> oh no, it's, it's still like, it's wild. It's honestly wild. I, yeah, part of me, it, I think I've been through the ringer with it before because I started investing in like 2017 and I lost a bunch of money because I sold at the bottom as soon as it crashed. And then this time around, I'm like, I'm not selling, I'm holding on. And so far, so good. So I've kind of, yeah, I've got, (laughs) I've gone through it. So I think if if you're looking to like maybe start investing in new things, like I would have a look at maybe the types of assets that you would like to have, you know, and like what Mm -hmm. you want that mix to be. So I guess like you might want to have like maybe let's say like 30% of your wealth being in cash and then like some of it might be in like ETFs or like stocks and then some of it might just be like individual companies that you pick. And yeah, I think it's nice to have like a bit of a diverse range of different assets, like potentially even like adding in bonds and things like that. That's what I, I was going to say. Nice. So if yeah. you want, if you want something like a bond or security, like what, what are those two things and how are those more defensive? Well, those two things, they're a little bit more defensive because I guess when you look at investments, they go from, I guess, lower risk, lower return to higher risk, higher potential return. And I guess mm-hmm. on the lower risk sort of spectrum, you've got things like cash, because if you put your money in a savings account, unless you have, I think the cap is like $250,000 in a savings account, you, you're not really going to lose your money because the government insures that money. So I think with the mm-hmm. Silicon Valley Bank, like as long as people had less than $250,000 in there, they do like give your money back. So you have less of a chance of losing it, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. That's, I yeah. guess, like on the safer side. And then next to that would be stuff like bonds, where you're essentially like lending your money to governments or to big companies, and then they pay you like a fixed amount of interest. And then I guess on the other end of the spectrum, we've got crypto, which is like super, super high risk, high return. You could make a million dollars, you could lose all your money, that kind of vibe. And then I guess you've also got your your growth investments like ETFs and index funds. And those are kind of like high risk, high return, but not like crazy risky like crypto. So I think it, it all depends on what your risk profile is because it's interesting because some people, there's, there's actually like a test you can do if you Google it, like oh. what your risk profile is. Yeah. And basically the, the more, 
I guess people that are generally younger, they can take on a little bit more risk in their portfolio because they know they're not going to retire tomorrow or next year. So they they don't have to invest in like super safe investments that they'll never lose money because they've got, you know, they've got a bit of time to like wait out the highs and lows in the markets. Whereas people Mm -hmm. that are like older, close to retiring, they might want to have a bit more cash and bonds and, and things that are safer because if the stock market drops, they might lose like 20% of their wealth in like one year, you know? So that's mm-hmm. why I guess the older you are, the the less risk generally people take on. And it also depends on like you as a person. Like if you know that you're somebody that you know that if you go into your portfolio and you see everything's red and you feel like you want to sell everything and and chuck your and chuck all your investments out and chuck your laptop in a in in like the bin the and river, you know if you yeah. feel like that's that's you then maybe it's it might be a good idea to take on a little bit less risk in your portfolio at least until you get the hang of it maybe a little bit more cash a little bit more bonds a couple of yeah. ETFs and index funds and then you can kind of like you know, maybe increase the risk slightly as you as you start to feel a bit more comfortable. And securities is just what all of this is. Yeah, yeah. It's just the overarching term for it that sometimes there are terms where people just want to sound jargony. And I'm like, look, we just need to. <laughs> yeah. We just, um. so my, this is, these are all, my boyfriend had so many questions because I think he is worried that people don't know. He uh, seems to be obsessed with fees because I asked him what he wanted people to know. And he was saying like, he wanted an explanation of expense ratios because he's worried that people don't really understand how that might compare to the fees of owning a stock, like if there's trade fees. Hmm. So can you explain what expense ratios are? (laughs) Yeah. So it's basically like when you buy an ETF or an index fund, they take a little bit of a fee for managing all of that money, which is definitely worth it because I don't know about you, but I do not have the time to like buy all (laughs) of the top 3000 companies on the US stock market and rebalance Mm -hmm. it every time that some of the numbers move. I don't have time for that. (laughs) So they definitely do a good job with that. And there are people that it's their job to kind of like manage these ETFs and index funds and make sure that everything's balanced properly. So you are paying a bit of money for somebody to do that. It's definitely worth it though. I guess it is important to have a look at it because some of the more actively managed funds, like for example, if you're not tracking like an index, like the S&P 500, It's a little bit more tricky. Like there might be some fund managers that might be like, you know, researching different companies, like who should I add to this portfolio? Who should I remove? The more active ones can be a little bit higher than the more passive Mm -hmm. ones. But yeah, I guess it it all just depends because I think the most important thing is to really understand like your risk profile and and what kind of things you could invest in at your age or with your risk. And mm-hmm. even the fees do add, add up though. So if you've even like 1% on like a million dollars is like a crazy amount of money. So I guess it is important right. to like keep in mind. But yeah, I don't know. What are your thoughts on fees and like? Well, I think people don't know that they're like paying fees with investing. Like I think it's just not brought up that much. So like it's sort of comparing, I would compare past performance. So I would go and like look at, what the like five or 10 year, you know, or mostly five year performance of a stock is and then, or an ETF and then what the recent, so maybe in the last couple months, performance of it has been. And, you know, I got very scared when I started of seeing any sort of dips, but like if you see a dip and then right after that, there's a rise, you you pretty much can go on that and not be so concerned of like, well, there was a dip even though that kind of goes against all of my panic. And then also I didn't realize that there were like trade fees on some or that some stocks might have uh, dividends. Like I didn't really understand dividends for a while because I, I was like, oh, they give you, I didn't realize if you own a stock, sometimes they give you money to be like, hey, thanks for having our stock, I guess. <laughs> Is that Was that how you would explain dividends? Yeah. Yeah. It is so interesting. It's so true. I think it's so confusing, hey, but it's, it's, we're all learning at the end of the day. Yeah. I love it. Do you like dividends? I love dividends. I think that there's something also to consider because 
obviously the stock market, like the prices of companies and like the market cap increases, which is nice to see. But then another part of your portfolio that can really grow and can give you passive income is dividends. It's essentially like some companies prefer to pay out their shareholders, whatever profits they make, instead of like reinvesting it back into their business. They'll just like pay out some money and it can actually be quite, quite a lot of money, you know, like as you start to build your portfolio, like, you know, eventually, like some people have even been able to retire just off the dividends that they receive without having to sell any of their shares or anything like that. You know, they could just live off their dividends, which is really, really cool. So yeah, there are so many different ways to do it. It's always fascinating how much it, it takes money to make money. Yeah. Like how much like, oh, I have a bunch of money. So I invested it. Now I live off my dividends. It's like, that's amazing. You already had the money. Yeah, You had the money to make the money. Yeah. It's so wild. I mean, even when I, when I first started investing and a friend of mine is very into covered calls, which I had to stop doing for a little bit, but like, and I was doing for a while, but like, it's so wild how if you have money, then the stock market will just give you money. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's how people are rich. They're not, they have this under the impression that they're working harder than everyone else, but they're really not. Yeah, exactly. Like it's so much easier to get ahead if you've had a bit of like a head start or if you've had, you know, like even a little bit of money like given to you when you're younger, that can make a huge difference because of compounding, you know? So even exactly. like $10,000 10 years ago might not seem like a crazy amount of money, but that's actually a lot when you take into account compounding. If you invested that $10,000, it would be worth like $100,000 now, you know? So that's why it's, yeah. I was always very jealous of like a couple friends of mine who seemed to like be really had some investments and it it, they later were like oh my grandma died when I was like 17 and left me 20k or like they had some sort of base thing and it's not not saying it's not possible to to grow stuff and and get to a certain place but it is wild to think about how much having a little bit of a head start in any way is like because of compounding, because of dividends, because of the market largely going up. It's just like, wow, that is really a a huge leg up. And even if, but not to say that if you start today with like 50 bucks, it's not going to matter. It will matter. But it is just like so wild how much money makes money. It is. I feel like we should all keep this in mind, like before we start comparing ourselves to other people, because you just don't know, you know, and I feel like some of those people, maybe they don't even know the privilege that they have. Like maybe they don't realize like, oh, what? No one else's grandma gave them (laughs) $20,000. Like, oh, you know, and it's true. Like people don't realize or they don't take the time to think of like, you know, how lucky they are to be in that position. But yeah, it's so important. I think recognizing privilege and just understanding that not everybody starts at the same level, you know, it's just... It doesn't have to do with your intelligence, I promise. No, it absolutely doesn't. It really doesn't. I want to ask now, switch gears. A lot of your content is hacks. So it'll be like an Ikea hack or like expiration date hack or Costco hack or something. What? Where are you getting these? <laughs> Honestly, it's a lot of like research. I guess I'll I'll research things like I'll I'll look at IKEA, like try to find if there are any cool hacks. I'll ask people. I think a lot of people now they they tell me hacks if they find any good ones. So I've got <laughs> friends. Yeah. So I've got I'm lucky. I'm lucky. I've got friends that work in retail and they might be like, hey Queenie, there's this really cool hack I saw people using. And I'm like, oh going to use that. <laughs> Thank you so much. So yeah, it's really cool. Like it'll be like you like reading the bylines of like Ikea and being like, you can sell your furniture back to Ikea and they'll take or like use your airline points to get this or whatever. Like you're sitting there like reading the fine print of things yeah. like, just to sort of get like you can go into this lounge and get free lunch or whatever. And then you test it out and see if it actually works. I really liked the one where you got your hair done at a student salon. And like, that's, I think the type of 
stuff that maybe is relatable or like useful to people in their own, in ways that you, you would never think of, but it's just so wild whenever I see those. Cause I'm like, where is she? How is she doing this? Where is she getting the the information or the time? Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's just, I guess friends, they tell me good tips. Like actually one of my friends told me about the student hair salon. So I was like, I'm going to try it. You know, they also told me about student tattoos. I haven't tried that one yet, but... Yeah. That would be a funny one to do. Yeah. <laughs> it could do you be have... really well or really badly. <laughs> well, they make you start when you tattoo, they make you start on like oranges and stuff. So they don't send you straight to human beings. So <laughs> that's good. <laughs> what have been like a couple of your favorite ones that you've done? I think one of the my favorite ones, just that has helped me a lot, is using credit cards wisely to get tickets and free upgrades. And I feel like that is just such a good hack. I know lots of people talk about it, but it's just an amazing hack once you start to to wrap your head around it. And it is kind of like like what you said about how, I guess, people with money, it's easier for them to make mm-hmm. more money. And I think the same thing goes with like credit cards, you know, because they can be so dangerous for a lot of people that don't know how to use them wisely. But for them, for the people that know how to use them wisely, it's just like, it's just crazy how much, how many benefits you can get from using them wisely, making sure that you pay them back. Like, yeah, like you said, getting into airport lounges, being able mm-hmm. to travel business class, which I never would have done if I just paid cash for my flight. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's probably my favorite, favorite hack of all. What about you? What, what's your favorite money hack? Well, I always think about the ones where I had someone on who was like, oh, I just paid for my wedding with, with credit card points and then, or with my, I I met the, you know, the minimum for these points. And then, because I knew I was going to spend on my wedding. And then I went and like spent the points on my honeymoon. And I was like, oh, so brilliant. I definitely use a lot of, like, I'll go on the, you know, Amex website or whatever, if I like need a table or something and I'll be like, okay, what has the, you know, 15% off on the the table or things like that. So I definitely will look at that kind of thing or get coupons for that kind of thing. I don't even know what counts as a hack anymore. I have no <laughs> idea. I feel like I'm just like a scrappy person who's just kind of constantly. I, and there's so many also that I tried to include in my book that I was then told was like lightly illegal. So I would like <laughs> no, say, like I would like have. Tell us all the, well, the great hacks. Not, <laughs> Well, and not ones that like there was one that I I always talk about that I used, which was that I would get phone chargers from going into like hotels and being like, I left my charger in the lobby and it was white. And then they just like go like, oh, here's here's our lost and found. And then there's definitely always a white charger in there. Wow, that is a hack. I mean, it's dishonest. (laughs) It's it's a great hack. (laughs) It's very dishonest. But then I'll see, you know, there's so many that I'll see really great ones online and I I don't think I can legally share a lot of them. But yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's definitely like I'm a big sort of like grocery store two for one person. I did that a lot when I was younger. Then I stopped for a while. Now my my boyfriend's very big on that. So I just like watched him walk out of the grocery store with two of the biggest things of cereal I've ever seen in my life, like like holding it with his whole body. But he's like, it's two for one. (laughs) Like no one will consume that much cereal in the time. But like, you know, it's it was a half price for both. So I think just being more aware or taking the time to look and see if there's a coupon to look and see if there's a better way of doing something. Whereas like, I think sometimes I used to be so busy, busy, busy that I wouldn't ever stop. I would be like, what's the most convenient way to get it now versus stopping and being like, okay, wait, so let's compare the prices. Let's actually see, you know, and I, I would never, I mean, you know, a lot of the stuff that you see on TikTok is like, if you see it for a better price here, you can bring it and show them. And like a lot of it is, a willingness to embarrass yourself because money, (laughs) money is so embarrassing. So if you like go to the, you know, I would always be embarrassed. Like, cause my, my mom was definitely the person who would be like the coupon for this place says it's 50. And then like you would have, or, you know, sitting in the line at bed, bath and beyond, and she's scanning 45 coupons. And it's like, I'm feeling like she's why they went out of business. Cause she's just like, 
giving them <laughs> like so I feel like you know it's embarrassing to to be that person but it's also like the reward is I think I'm learning more and more worth the embarrassment yeah that's so true it is really embarrassing I wonder why because it's like oh what's the matter you can't afford it you're coming in here with your little coupon your little thing saying I read the fine print and I can save five dollars and I yeah. feel like oh what do you really need that five dollars it's like yes I really do yeah it's true you know what I think it's also like have you heard of the concept of like the shadow self you know no. I feel like it's kind of like and I feel it too because also part of me, like, I think there's like part of us that can kind of like see things in other people that we kind of like, maybe there's part of us that is also like that. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's kind yes. of like, I feel like it, it is awkward to be that person, to, to be confident, to be like, I want a discount or I want this and I know my rights, you know, it is awkward. But then at the same time, I feel like a lot of people, maybe they kind of wish that they could do that secretly. Like it's a bit of their shadow self. That's why they're like, they're like looking at other people like, how can you do it? And I can't do that. Do you know what I mean? I think you're yeah, embracing it. That's probably why they like a lot of your your stuff because they're seeing, well, I don't know, she went in and talked to the guy and you have the excuse of being like, I'm doing it for a video. <laughs> but like, so there's a little bit of a hidden, but yeah, that's like, well, she went in and talked to the guy or like, I'll see stuff that's like Nike has to return the shoes or whatever. And then like the, the employee starts to fight with you. And then the, the, the girl is like, I read the, by Erica, yeah, who reads yeah, the yeah. bylines, I read the bylines and I know. And it's like, oh, who taught you this? You know? <laughs> yeah. And so like, that's kind of How what your annoying. content is like too. Yeah. And like, it's like, well, I'm going to be that annoying person, but you get a free pair of shoes at the end of the day. So. And also these companies, like it's not like they do they do this stuff just out of the goodness of their own hearts. You know what right. I mean? Like it's like right. at the end of the day, it's good for their business. You know, it's good for them to make money. And even if you go to a store because, you know, you can price match or price beat or whatever at that mm -hmm. store, while you go into that store, you probably pick something up, up along the way. And that's what they know. You know, they know mm -hmm. even if we do lose a little bit of money on that purchase, that person's going to walk through our doors and maybe they'll pick up some other stuff that they don't need, you know, like that's kind of why they do it. So yeah, don't feel bad because like at the end of the day, like they're all trying to make money off us as well. So we might as well like, you know, like it, if it's within their guidelines and like their company policies, mm -hmm. like there's, you absolutely do have your rights. So yeah, don't feel bad. <laughs> Be annoying is what we say, <laughs> yeah. we're saying here on yeah. Bad With Money. As long as you're nice to the people. As long as you're nice to the people. Yes. Be nice to the people. Yeah. They just work there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, this is awesome. Where can people find you and more about you and watch all of your videos, which are pretty addicting? Oh, thank you. Um, you can find me on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube under Invest with Queenie. And I guess I'll, I'll see you there. <laughs> yeah. I loved the oh my god I loved the one where you just if you finish the Starbucks drink and you bought it with a gift card or with a mobile order they have to refill it yeah how crazy is that though like it's wow actually crazy you could literally sit in a Starbucks and get free drinks all day like that's wild isn't it yeah and that's the sort of stuff that and then you're hyped up on caffeine. You head over to Costco and you go, I got a discount. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, and yeah, everyone go follow her. Bad With Money with Gabe Shane Dunn is a production of Noted Bisexual. Produced by Melissa D. Montz and Diamond M. Print Productions. Edited by Diane King. Post-production sound by Coco Lorenz. And music by Mike Kaplan, Zach Sherwin, and Jack Dolgen as sung by Sam Barbera. Thank you. Love you. Bye. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious 
extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.